Hello and welcome to the Ohio Huntsman podcast. Today on the show, we're going to talk about CWD or chronic wasting disease. No real updates from the field this week, uh, so we're going to skip over that and go right into the show topic. But as I said, today is CWD, a super important topic, and we found that there are new guidelines regarding CWD in Ohio and, and how you're handling carcasses, uh, mainly from out of state. But we're going to discuss that, review what we know. Um, one caveat is we are not experts on this. We did some research. Um, we're going to report to you what we've found in our research. <clears throat> There's a lot of great resources on CWD out there. Two other podcasts that I can recommend are The Meat Eater Show, episode 70, where they have Doug Duran and Brian Richards on there, or the Joe Rogan podcast, uh, episode 1154. Same guests, Doug Duran and Brian Richards. Uh, Brian Richards is actually the CWD project leader for the U.S. Geological Survey's National Wildlife Health Center. That's a mouthful. Uh, but they give tons of great detail on CWD, the specifics of how it's transferred, what it is, how it works, the dangers of it, that sort of thing. Chronic wasting disease, as I said, it's a member of diseases known as TSEs or transmissible spongiform encephalopathies. Basically, my understanding is it turns the brains and, and neural systems into a sponge, which is where that part of the name comes from. It, it sort of fills it with holes and eventually the deer dies. Um, there's no cure at this point that I'm aware of. And so the general consensus is if you don't have it in your area, you don't want it, which is where I think the Ohio regulations come in. Um, similar diseases that you may have heard of if you haven't heard of CWD are scrapie, which is in sheep, or I'm sure everybody's heard of mad cow disease. That's another disease in the same family. Um, at this point, there's no known cases of human contracting CWD from eating a CWD-infected deer, but the CDC, if you go to the CDC's website, they do recommend not consuming CWD positive meat. So that's a little bit of background or, or history on CWD. Like I said, there's, there's tons more information. That's super high level. I urge everybody to learn as much as they can on CWD because it's, it's coming down the, the tube here and, and we need to be educated and informed. But that being said, we're going to talk about uh, Ohio's stance on CWD at the moment. So what do you guys have to add? So, Ohio just implemented, as of August 1st, a new complete carcass ban um, to try to prevent the spread of CWD. So, this will apply to anyone who's hunting out of state and wants to bring back their harvest. What is allowed to be brought back is meat um, without bones or tissue, and that has been wrapped either professionally or by the hunter cleaned hides that have been removed of any meat or other tissue. And that would include brain matter, I would guarantee, Correct. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. The The main thing that they're trying to prevent is brain matter and spinal. Fluids, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cleaned skull caps, so not a complete skull, but you can take the skull cap and clean that of any brain matter 
or tissue, meat, um, you can bring that back. You can bring back cleaned upper canine teeth, antlers without any meat or tissue attached to them, and finished taxidermy mounts. And where do people find this is on the ODNR's website? This is on the ODNR's website. This is under, um, if you go to uh, wildlife diseases on their website and then go to CWD, um, you can see all of the new carcass ban regulations and all of the other wildlife diseases, but also you can see the information because um, Ohio also, which we'll get into later, has a uh, new uh, location that they are uh, monitoring for CWD um, because they found a captive deer with CWD. Okay. We'll post a link to to that page on our show notes so you guys can find it instead of trying to hunt and, hunt and peck for it. We'll post a link right to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the important thing to kind of keep in mind with this is if you're an out-of-state hunter, you know, you're going to one of the surrounding states, Michigan, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, you can no longer just harvest your deer, bring it back to Ohio to have it processed. You know, at your local butcher, at your local taxidermist, or just take it back to your house to cut it up yourself. You can no longer do that. The other thing to keep in mind is if you're going to go out of state to hunt you should try to find those resources before you go so that you aren't stuck with you know the deer that you've harvested and nowhere to have it processed or have a mount done do you know and maybe you don't i don't i don't know why that you would but maybe you will are there deer processing facilities that either won't accept cwd deer or are getting out of deer processing processing altogether now that CWD has come in because of concern of cross-contamination in their facilities? I believe that there are some places that are getting out of processing deer in, in, in the high CWD areas, Wisconsin, stuff like that, mm-hmm. because of the fear of cross-contamination. They're afraid that just by letting the customer know that they are processing deer, which the deer have this disease that other they won't want to purchase other meats from them right you know it's uh more of an image problem than anything else right right and my understanding um from what i've seen uh, most of those processing facilities they i mean their bread and butter is not processing deer in the fall I yeah. mean, most of those places make their living off uh, livestock processing i mean between cows pig that kind of stuff so i could understand them um turning away from deer processing uh, just because it's you know it's dangerous to their livelihood in a sense because if they end up cross-contaminating you know over across to what their bread and butter is you know their beef processing they could have all kinds of problems yeah it seems like just i mean excluding cwd that that's more and more of a trend these days i think as the like the food safety things crack down you know, you're finding processors that have been processing deer forever are, are getting out of it because of the tighter and tighter restrictions on no cross-contamination between wild game meat and, uh, I guess, captive farm-raised meat. But Yeah, another thing uh, which 
not to get too ahead of ourselves, I guess, and we'll talk about this more in later podcasts, but um, just from personal experience, I would highly recommend people process their own animals at least down to quarters. Uh, from my experience, from multiple processors I've used, uh, when you drop a deer off, if you drop a whole deer off and want them to take care of everything, and often, many, many cases, just about every processor I've seen or visited, uh, they tend to just pile those deer up because they come in hot and heavy. Uh, Especially so, if it's during gun season. Right. So you don't know how the other guy takes care of his meat or doesn't take care of his meat in the field. Um, and this last couple gun seasons have been warm, hasn't been cold. So you can't imagine those deer are staying down to good temperature and you you don't know what's leaching out of the one that might be piled on top of yours. Right. If you break it down into quarters, you just take it inside and it goes right into the chilled locker until they can get to processing it. It doesn't lay outside in the rain or whatever or under a tarp or, I mean, if you have a, if you have a processor that they're taking every deer inside and hanging it, then more power to you stick with them that, you know, but a lot of these places they just don't have the means to do that especially like i said during gun season when you know they're seeing tons and tons of deer coming in one after another those deer end up laying outside right and another thing just a little bit of housekeeping to clean up um i know jason went into what cwd is um, and there has not been a transmission from venison or the cervid animals to uh, humans. However, there is a very similar disease uh, that is present in humans um, that has been transmitted from um, mad cow disease or the bonine version of this. Um, it's called variant crutchfeld jakob disease. If anyone wants to, it's a mouthful, but if you want to research that, you can kind of see how this disease will present in humans. Uh, it's not good. Um, so if you want to look into that, you can kind of see, it won't be, it's not an exact variant, but it's similar disease process. It's a prion, that kind of stuff. Um, so you can just see how it typically will present or similar will present if it ever does make the jump. Um, and it's definitely not something you want. It's typically fatal in within a year in the human version. And I don't, from, from what I've heard, they, like you said, they, there's been no known case and they don't think a human can get it from deer, but they also, in lab tests, I guess, can't verify 100% that it's not possible. They talked about it on that Joe, that episode of the Joe Rogan podcast where, I guess, lab mice have a very similar, like, blood-brain barrier to humans, and I guess even within CWD, there's variations of CWD, and they were able to force and... and Please don't quote me on this. Listen to the episode. Do your own research. But I, I, I think they were able to force one of these variants of CWD across the blood-brain barrier in a lab mouse in a research setting where I'm sure they were flooding the prions in there to see if... So I think that's where the question of we don't think it'll happen, but we also can't say without a doubt that it isn't possible. Right, right. And my understanding um, is along that same line. And again, do not quote me. I'm by no means an expert on this. Um, but it's kind of on the same uh, level, I guess, as some of like the heavy metal poisoning coming from fish. Um, to actually have a negative impact, you need to eat so much of that 
specific meat. So like to get heavy metal poisoning from fish that are, you know, consuming heavy metals through the lakes or whatever. The theories that I've heard are that you need to eat such a high amount of that, basically breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day for 30 years to accumulate that much to have any type of a negative impact. Um, and I'm assuming, again, this is an assumption, not an expert, that it would be similar with CWD, uh, unless you are specifically eating the spinal fluid or chewing on the bones that could, you know, have bone marrow that could carry this. Where the prions are concentrated, right? right? right. Like Where the prions are, the yeah. brain, the spinal tissue. Yeah. Correct. Um, I would imagine that it's similar to that. Um, it's not, in theory, going to be super concentrated in the meat. But again, do your own research. I personally can't bring myself to harvesting a deer and not consuming it at this point. I mean, that obviously would change possibly if I know I'm going to get a disease that's going to kill me, that would change everything. But at this point, I don't think it's anything you need to be afraid of, especially in Ohio, which we'll get into, but it's definitely a real risk. Um, and we definitely want to do everything we can to keep it out of Ohio. So that, that brings up a question that I want to pose to you guys then, and I think you kind of alluded to it there. If you had a deer that you knew was CWD positive, would you feed it to your family? Would you eat it? If there were no recourse for disposing of it? That's a tough, tough question. That's a tough question. I don't think I could bring myself to eating myself or feeding my family any of the cuts that touch the spinal column. I don't think I could take the back straps or the tenderloins or the neck roasts, but I think I could convince myself and that, it, that it's my responsibility to take what I can, and I would probably take the roasts out of the legs and mm-hmm. you know that meat. Okay. But I don't think I could bring myself to taking the cuts of meat that touch the spinal column. Jake, what's your what's your stance on that one? That's extremely tough, right? Um, kids, absolutely not. I would choose to feed not feed my children uh, meat from that deer because cooking it doesn't kill it, is my understanding. Correct. It doesn't kill the prion. The prion's still active. Right. It's just about nothing that kills the prions, yeah. unfortunately, which is why it's such a problem. I would not feed it to my children. I'm fortunate enough that I typically uh, harvest multiple deer or have access to between, you know, one of you guys harvesting deer and having extra or my, or dad or whatever to where I enable, I'd be able to hopefully feed my family with quote unquote non-infected deer. But I do feel that it would be my responsibility to consume what I could. Um, I definitely would, if that were to be the case, I would definitely become an expert on CWD so I could figure out what's good and what's not. Uh, I would probably agree with Jeff though. I'd stick shy away from the neck roasts and anything that's super close to that spinal column. And then if the spinal cord was severed during harvest, that would probably raise a whole nother issue. Mm-hmm. You know, if you spine the deer that releases all that spinal fluid down into the meat potentially. So that could cause problems. I don't know. I've heard a lot of different people, uh, some that I respect in you know, medical fields and that kind of stuff, talk a little bit about it. And a lot of them, kind of lean towards we're all going to die of something um, and the chances of dying of that are so minute. I mean, we drive our car every day and the risk of yeah. getting in a car accident and dying are much higher than being the 
one and only first contracted case of CWD. You could end up in the medical journals, your name in history. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's one way to look at it, yeah. Um, so I don't know. It would be tough. Um, I think that would definitely be something I'd have to wrestle with and figure out if and when CWD becomes much more prevalent in Ohio, uh, especially in the wild deer population. But that's a very tough question because... Um, knowing what I do know about similar diseases that are present in humans is it is well, and it's fatal in all animals that have, you know, the mad cow disease, it's fatal. CWD is fatal to deer and the human variations that are similarly contracted and presented are fatal. So it'd be tough. I don't know. I think for me, I'm, I don't know. I'm going to be probably a little more conservative than I, if, you know, if, if the state like Wisconsin, they're saying if you shoot a deer and get it tested and it comes back CWD positive, you are fully allowed under the law to dispose of that deer and not consume it. And I think you to give your tag back. That I was going to be my question. Do you spend your tag on it or can you maybe just purchase another one at no consequence? Yeah, I think you don't have to waste your tag on a CWD positive deer, I think, because they want, you know, them taken out of the population. Right. Thinking of it from that point of view, now that you bring that up, I mean, that's not, that kind of eases the burden, I guess, because it's not like you're, you're harvesting a deer, which is something to take seriously. Obviously you're removing something from the natural world, but at the same time, you're improving, hopefully the genetic pool in the whitetail, you know, you're removing as long as it's dealt with correctly after you harvest it and it's actually removed and hopefully not passed on to other whitetail. Yeah. Um, it could actually be a positive, even if you're not consuming the animal. I mean, the logical side of me says it's fine because my understanding on this, and I'm going to butcher this Kreutzfeld Jakobs disease in humans, they, I think this was discovered and studied in a, you know, some small culture I don't do some research on on where it was researched but basically it was a cannibalistic culture a member of the um, family would die the men in the family would get the choice cuts of meat the women and children were left with like the organs and the brain and things like that and the by a far greater percentage the women and children were coming down with Kreutzfeld Jakobs disease <clears throat> because they were eating those cuts that were high in the prion. The men weren't getting it nearly as much because they were eating just the meat. So that being said, you know, the logical side of my brain says it's fine. It's not going to happen, but I don't want to be the one guy in the medical journal that's like, we warned you, you know, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, and I mean, and like you said, with kids, it changes everything too. You know, yeah. I mean, I now have a responsibility to raising my kids and taking care of my wife. So that changes everything as a single, you know, if I was a single guy and they were, all I had to worry about was me, it may be more of like a, yeah, hey, forget what they say. Yeah. Ain't you know, going to hurt me. Right. Now that I have the responsibility of my wife and kids and, raising them and being alive in theory. I mean, obviously that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, kind of changes the way you think about it. So I would probably err on the side of caution, I guess, too, now that we get into it a little bit. So back to, 
Ohio. So to, to sort of summarize what yeah. you said, no whole carcasses, only processed meat and finished taxidermy. Is that kind of correct? Correct. And another thing on that same vein, um, a unintended consequence of this um, that people need to be cognizant of is that you really need to support your local butchers in Ohio and your taxidermists in Ohio because this is going to affect their bottom line. People aren't going to be bringing them game from out of state to uh, work That's on. That's a good point. So you, you really need to, if you if you have the, the choice between going to a different state to get your taxidermy or your animal processed or an Ohio um, business, you know, I'd really recommend you support that Ohio business because it is going to, you know, hurt them, this new regulation. And another thing is if you harvest an animal that is not one of the cervids or a deer family animal out of state, maybe consider bringing that animal back to have your taxidermist work on mm. because the taxidermists are going to get bored in Ohio because a lot of the, you know, odd things that they used to get, you know, elk and, you know, from people going to other states and harvesting, they, by law, no longer can get those animals. So they're basically now being pigeonholed to just deer and, you know, other Ohio native animals. So So, let's talk about that. That poses a a question then as far as enforcement. And I don't think they mentioned anything about how they're like, consequences for this or enforcing this what do you what do you what do you guys know about that like i said i don't know i know we had discussed before we turn the mics on they don't list any consequences quote unquote of breaking these new uh, laws however i'm sure that is on purpose it gives them the ability to do whatever they see fit do we know if they're actual laws or are they just guidelines i believe that this is an actual law okay. like that has taken place so there you could actually go to the ohio revised code and find the law that governs this and see exactly what it says because okay. i know the odnr's you know briefing on it you know they list specific animals um they i mean they say cervids but then they list specific animals mm-hmm. The list does extend beyond those specific animals. Okay. You know, if you harvest a non-native, you know, something that's not native to North America, say a fallow deer or something like that from another state, that carcass is also banned from entering the state. Okay. You know, anything in the deer family, yeah. whether it's native to the North America or not. And this is... So to back up, we will try to find in the Ohio Revised Code where that information is listed and, and include um, either the actual the number to that specific law or a link to it or something. We'll try to give you guys some information on that and where you can find it. What I was going to say is, is this from any other state or a state that has known CWD cases? This is a complete ban. Okay. So right. this is from any other state. Or territory. I mean, yeah, you cannot yeah. bring it from out from of the anywhere. country either. Anywhere in the world. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You cannot okay. cross the Ohio border with anything other than the approved things mentioned before. Okay. Interesting. What are you guys' thoughts on... Because there's CWD in Michigan. There's CWD in Pennsylvania, right? 
There's CWD in Wisconsin, Illinois. According to the CDC's website when I was looking into this, there are no known cases of CWD in the wild, free-ranging deer population in Ohio. My opinion is it's here, we just haven't found it yet because we're not testing like they're testing in Wisconsin where there's free available testing for everything. If it's in Michigan, I mean, I'm going out on a limb there. My, I'm, I'm saying it's here. We just don't know it yet. See, I don't, I don't think it is here. Okay. Um, and I think we need to do everything we can to stop it. I don't, I don't think it is here because the, the, there's been two, two cases of captive deer having it. And the, the, the first case that happened, the quarantine for the wild deer population has just expired. They tested over 2,000 deer in that area. Every deer that was harvested during gun and muzzleloader season had, by law, had to be tested. Okay. They harvested over 2,000 deer, had them tested, and none of them showed it. And basically, I think that that would be the most high-risk area in the state of potentially the wild population getting it. I do believe that the captive deer population, a lot of captive deer have it. Yeah. More than we're catching. And I think that that's an area that needs to be looked into a lot further. Mike, one of my questions, and I don't know this, is how good is the testing? Like, how early can they detect it? Because my understanding is it's got like a two-year incubation period before it's detectable, visually detectable by people to where the deer is wandering around, starting to look thin, you know, bumping into things. That's like the last six months of the, of the disease before the animal dies. But for those two years of incubation period, they're shedding those prions into the, you know, into the wild and onto the ground. Um, so how early can the test detect? Do you... I'm not sure um, how early the test can detect, um, but I did fail to mention that uh, this previous quarantine that just expired, they had that area under quarantine for four years. Okay. And they found no uh, cases in the wild population. But I, I do not know the gland tests that they're doing, you know, how early they can detect it. I don't know if it's, you know, a month or if it's two years. Yeah, and my understanding, again, this is just kind of anecdotal, um, just from listening to other, you know, people in the industry and other podcasts, people that know more about it than obviously we do. I do know that in Wisconsin, even when they are doing the free testing, they when they send the official report back, it states that they were unable to detect CWD, but they also include in that report that they cannot rule out that the deer has CWD. Mm, so there is so some... there is a somewhere in the science of it there is a loophole there where they don't do not make a definitive statement your deer does not have it. Well, and is that a that's always a question is like, is that a CYA thing? Are they just covering their rears? Probably. To, because there is that possibility that they missed it somehow. Right. Because if they, I mean, if it is a deer that's tested and that becomes the first case that makes the jump, now right. we got a real. That's a huge lawsuit there. When you told me I don't have CWD in this deer and I ate it, I fed it to my kids and now, now I'm the one that caught it. Right. Right. So I do, but. I mean, I, 
I'm with you though. I do. There is an incubation period. Um, I'd also be curious to see. I mean, I think Ohio's doing a good job of trying to get out in front of it. That I do agree with. I think the ODNR is doing a very good job of trying to do everything they can to keep this out of our state if it's not already here. Uh, but I, I mean, I can understand your argument too, Jason, where you say, you know, it's, there's a lot of deer out there. A lot of deer are killed every year. I'd be curious to see what, if we tested the border counties, Yeah, you know, the counties bordering Michigan, Indiana, you know, that up in the Northwest, um, or, you know, right along the Pennsylvania border, what would come up? Uh, I, I mean, you know, cause I, there's deer, obviously yeah. there's not a wall around the state of Ohio. So there's deer that travel back and forth between the two states. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's how these things spread naturally. I mean, we do our part to unfortunately spread them too, with the way we care for the carcasses or don't care for the carcasses, but moving things across state lines, whether that's the deer naturally moving or us moving it or how these things spread. And according to the CDC map, like in Michigan, it's the southern counties in, in Michigan or some of the southern counties that they have identified as being as having CWD in the wild deer population. So I hope, hope, hope that it's not here and that we can keep it out. But after listening to some of these, you know, especially because I just listened to the, the Joe Rogan podcast, that's a fairly new one. You know, they they paint kind of a grim picture, and that's why I'm like, it's here. We just haven't found it yet. And I think it's important um, on some level to paint that grim picture because unfortunately in those states where like Wisconsin, where CWD is pretty much all over the state, a lot of that is due to the fact that this, the hunting and outdoor industry ignored CWD initially. It was not real. It's one, you know, that's a unique case. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen to us. And they didn't take it serious enough initially, I don't think. And that's how it spread like wildfire through Wisconsin, which now they're, I mean, Wisconsin's still a great state to hunt deer in, don't get me wrong, but their deer numbers are way down compared to what they used to be. And a lot of that is contributed to losing a lot of their population to this disease. Well, and, and one thing they talked about that Doug Duran and Brian Richards is a lot of people thought the 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 DNR in Wisconsin handled that poorly, but their argument was the DNR had set up, you know, during that initial detection, they were wanting to greatly reduce that population, uh, but the politicians didn't give it time to work. They pulled the funding from that, and and that's why it was sort of the epic fail that it was that everybody kind of sees it as. I don't know the truth to that. I just thought that was an interesting, uh, interesting fact, I guess. Because there is sort of this uh, mindset that the way Wisconsin handled it was a failure. And it just sounds like there's, there were other factors at play that maybe the general public isn't aware of. But So that being said, anything else we want to talk about? Well, one uh, important thing also to cover is that uh, I mentioned the good news that uh, the previous... Uh, disease surveillance area for CWD in Ohio um, has expired. That period of time has expired. The bad news is, is that uh, back in the winter, um, a second deer was discovered at a deer farm with CWD. So there is now... A different deer farm? um, I believe so, yes. 
same area or same general area yeah it's a very similar area but because it's a different actual uh dsa which stands for survey or deer surveillance area um the area is a little bit different so i'm assuming it's a different farm just because they shifted that surveillance area but it's very similar similarly located it's uh the holmes county area okay um, Jeff can probably go into a little more. I think he's got a little more information on the exact um, like cities or areas specifically that are involved. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the previous deer surveillance area was in a portion of Holmes and Wayne County. Mm. Um, the new deer surveillance area um, has shifted. It's more into Holmes and uh, I think that's Tuscaroras County. Okay. Um, it's by the Walnut Creek area. Um, and so starting this year, um, I believe there's six, um, townships, um, between those two counties, um, that all the deer that are harvested during gun season, um, bonus gun weekend and muzzleloader, um, will have to go to a facility. There's going to be two facilities in that area. Um, and they are going to test those deer for CWD. But not archery deer? Uh, archery deer are not included in this. Um, and the only excuse I can think of, the only reason for that, is they just don't have the manpower to uh, staff someone, you know, seven days a week to Or they may test not the have a deer come in because it's right. bow season. Right. And the previous surveillance area was the same thing. It was only firearm harvested deer and they actually exclude youth season for one reason or another i'm not exactly sure but youth season is also not included any deer harvested during the youth firearm season does not need to be tested interesting Um, and then just to kind of clean up what jeff said i just pulled it up here real quick Uh, the townships in the current surveillance area are salt creek paint berlin walnut creek clark and then around the Sugar Creek, or Sugar Creek Township and Wayne, um, those are the two. And then the two testing facilities, uh, Walnut Creek Township Garage, uh, which looks like it's pretty close to the uh, township line between Walnut Creek and Paint. And then the Sugar Creek Village Hall is the other uh, testing facility. Is that information? This information at the same is at the link? Exact, yep same link on the ODNR website. Okay, so There's like a I map. Said- there's a map there with the um, affected townships. Um, they color them red on here, and it shows you. Okay. We'll identify, like I said, we'll, we'll uh, put a link to that in our show notes. And another thing uh, to be aware of um, with this d- disease surveillance area is within that area, it is now illegal to feed deer, um, whether you have the intention of hunting them or not, or baiting deer, obviously, um, including minerals. Um, you can use naturally occurring um, food sources or uh, planted you, crops. Right. So you a you food hunt plot. over them. Yes. yes. And okay. you can plant a food plot. Uh, you just can't pour a pile of corn out and hunt over that. Um, and that's a lot of that has to do with the transmission of CWD. They believe that multiple, a lot of deer coming, congregating in the same area is a um, way that this is transferred. Another thing to uh, keep in mind is um, if you are looking for a trophy deer, um, 
please don't ignore these areas um, because, you know, they're going to have to test it for CWD and uh, ruin your mount. Um, they do have specific rules um, in place for someone who wants to have their deer mounted. Um, you do still have to take it to the uh, facility, um, but there is channels that you can take um, to have your deer tested at a later date so that a taxidermist can actually uh, remove and make your mount look nice um, because with the current testing, um, what they're doing, they, that is not a concern of theirs is right. to you know, make the, the deer stay looking nice. Yeah, because the lymph node test, they're, my understanding is they're cutting into the neck almost right under the jawbone area there, which would destroy a you know, shoulder mount if they're, if they're cutting into that to get to that lymph node. So it sounds like they're, they've, which is good. They put channels in there where the taxidermist can remove those after he gets the head caped out and send them in for testing. So that's good. So I want to circle back a couple things. How are they notifying people? Do you guys know how are they notifying people in those areas? Are they just, do they just need to somehow find this link or are they sending out mailers or... That is something I do not know. I know that they uh, are reaching out to like conservation groups in the area, okay. um, you know, to make sure that they're aware of it and to uh, allow them um, to have questions answered. And I know at the original deer surveillance area, um, they had game wardens that were doing, you know, town halls um, so that the public could come and ask questions. Um, with this new one that just went into effect, um, I'm not sure. Okay. And then one other quick thing. I just tried to look real quick to see if there was any indication on the ODNR website that um, went into how they were, I guess, blasting this information out. And I did not see that quickly. But another thing I wanted to add, I don't know how much, how large of a market this is, but this does affect roadkill deer in that area also. Um, so okay. you are not permitted to... Uh, basically, the roadkill deer have to follow the same uh, guidelines and steps as a harvested deer with a firearm. For testing, for before testing, consumption. All the above, yeah. Um, okay. So you can't pick up a roadkill deer in those areas and just kind of get your standard. I've, I've never done the roadkill permits or tags. I don't know exactly how that, sure how that works, but uh, they have to go through the same channels um, as you would if you were to harvest that deer in the wild. And I think a reason for that is deer that are infected with CWD tend to get hit in roads a lot. Uh, right. So they're thinking that those deer have a high frequency of potentially having CWD because in the later stages, the deer lose their mind right. and they end up in roadways. They don't at all recognize the danger and people hit them. Right. One thing I want to, another thing I want to circle back on is not requiring deer harvested during the youth hunt from being tested. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Why, why give the exception to youth harvested deer? I have a theory, but I want to see what your guys' thoughts are. My theory, I have two, um, basically channels of thought. One is just goes back to the staffing. Um, you know, there's not a ton of deer that are really harvested during youth season. Um, and then my second channel of thought is it just, you know, gives another barrier to entry for a kid. 
because their dad has to or or mom or adult has to take them to get their deer tested right that's my thought right i think it would also um i mean i don't know if it's the right or wrong thing to do um in terms of spreading the disease because if if and when cwd spreads to the wild herd um i mean it's permanent from what everything shows so i don't know if playing nice is the best way to do it but um as a kid you know 12 years old shoots his first deer they take it in they found out it has cwd and it has to go in the garbage essentially that could be kind of detrimental to the recruitment of hunters yep that was my thought so interesting the other thing Feeding and baiting. I want to. I want to kind of dive into that a little deeper with you guys. So I know in Michigan they've banned statewide all feeding and baiting. You just said that in the monitoring areas they are banning feeding and baiting. Do you think Ohio, as a preemptive measure, should ban feeding and baiting statewide? I think you're getting into a huge topic that we don't have time to discuss today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cracked um, open terms, a can of worms in, there. Yeah. In terms of CWD, just specifically, um, I think it has been proven that feeding, baiting, anything that congregates the deer in one place speeds up the transmission of CWD. So in terms of CWD, by itself on its own, not taking anything else into this conversation, I think it would not be a bad idea, but there's a whole lot more to that conversation and topic, um, that we just can't, that's its own podcast. But, um, just in terms of CWD, I think it would not be a bad idea just because it has been proven that bringing all those deer to the same place and allowing them to swap saliva over food or mineral blocks, et cetera. Uh, does transmit this disease from deer to deer right artificially congregating is the term i've heard that like makes it clear in my head because there are things you know scrapes and stuff where deer congregate naturally but we as humans if we can prevent artificially congregating them i think is their goal with those type of bands right and there's also there's a, a more healthier ways to bait um you know if you are putting all your bait your corn in one pile um, opposed to spreading it out, um, the pile is a lot less healthy in terms of CWD. And also spreading that corn out, um, by all the research I've seen, actually helps the deer feel more comfortable and stay longer. So mm. it's, a, it's a twofer there. Um, and then with the minerals, um, that I think may be the area that would really help the most for preventing CWD is because... Those really congregate a lot of deer to the same place and put their mouth on the same thing. Right. You know, so it's really spreading, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have to dive into that a little deeper on an, on another day. But like I said, that like Jacob said, that is a that can open up into into quite the discussion there. So anything else we want to touch on on CWD? No, no, I think I, uh, everything that I know or have researched, I think we've got out. Um, I just think it's really important that people take it serious. Uh, it's not something we want in our wild deer herd. Um, it's done some detrimental things in the states that it is present in. And just personally, a big part of why I hunt 
and why I do what I do, as we discussed in a previous podcast, is the food aspect of it. Right. So something that puts that aspect of hunting at risk is something that I take very seriously. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the main goal of this was just to get out the information um, where Ohio's at right now with CWD um, and what they're doing to try to prevent it from getting here or prevent it from spreading if it is already here. Um, so, um, cause this is really important stuff. And, uh, with the carcass, um, ban, I haven't really heard the ODNR really promoting it much yet. Well, Ohio's season, you know, hasn't opened up yet or is just starting. Um, some other states, especially out West, yeah. uh, their, their seasons are in full swing already. Right. Yeah. I guess to sum it up, like I said, from what I've heard, if you don't have it, you don't want it. So we should do everything, my opinion, we should do everything we can to keep it from getting here. So with that, I think we're going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening to today's show. As always, subscribe to the show. That way you're notified when we post new episodes. Follow us on Facebook at Ohio Huntsman and Instagram at Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And thanks for listening.